Good morning, church fam and our friends joining us from all around the world. It's such a wonderful time that we can have with you this morning. And today we're going to turn into the Word of God. And the title of the sermon is Finding Rest. Finding Rest. And we're going to take a very particular part of the Bible where Jesus actually talks about rest and promises us some kind of rest in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. But before we turn to the Bible, let me tell you a story. On the day that my son was born, his birthday. I remember what it was like because it was a mad rush. Me and my wife, Vanessa, rushing to the hospital because it was an emergency. So what happened was the doctor told us, today you have to give birth. I know you're ready for it. I know you're not ready for it, but tonight you have to give birth. So midnight, we were in the hospital. 12.30, my wife was in the delivery room. They were all they were prepping her up. The nurses and the doctors were in there. I wasn't allowed to be in there. So I was waiting outside in the waiting room, just waiting for something to happen. And as an anxious first-time dad who is not prepared to be a dad, you know, until like a month later, a lot of thoughts were just going in my mind. There was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of stress. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of uncertainty. And the whole time, there was nobody around me. So I was just pacing back and forth and pacing back and forth. And then this very kind-looking nurse came out of the delivery room, looked at me in the eye and say, Sir, why don't you sit down and get some rest? Why don't you sit down and get some rest? And then she did this. I, I kid you not. She looked at me and she said, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. <laughs> and I, I had no idea what that meant at that moment. Now, six years on later as a dad, I totally understand what it means, right? <laughs> For those of us who are parents, you probably understand what I'm saying. So if, if, you're, if you're going to be a dad or a mom, here's my advice to you. You're going to need it. Get some rest. <laughs> but on that day, I had no idea what she meant. But I was just as like, okay, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to listen to you because you seem like you know what you're saying. So I sat down at the closest chair behind me, took a seat, tried to get some rest, calm myself down a little bit, twiddle my thumbs, close my eyes. And this whole time, there was a lot of things going in my mind. Even though there was nothing going on outside, but everything inside of me was just churning took out my phone, looked through my phone, wondering uh, what is Facebook saying, what is Instagram saying, and, and, th- and I thought I could get my mind off this entire chaos. But still, there was no rest. And looking back at that incident on the very day of my, my son's birth, I remember it not just because uh, the lady said some life-changing advice that go get some rest because you're going to need it, but also because it made me think and wonder what is rest? Is it just sitting down and doing nothing? Maybe like many of us, the last couple of weeks we've been at home, we've been sitting down a lot and watching TV and doing nothing. Is that rest? Or is it getting your mind off something that has been bothering you, looking through your phone, your Instagram, your social media, trying to do something that uh, you enjoy and then coming back to reality? Is that rest? What is rest? And where can I find it? And if I find it, how do I actually get it? And these are some of the questions that we are all, we've all been dealing with, especially in the last couple of weeks. So today we want to turn to the Bible, turn to what Jesus says about rest in order for us to understand what is rest. Where do we find it? And how do we get it? These three questions are very important for how we find rest for ourselves. Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, famous verse. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's quickly unpack this amazing, very packed and, and powerful promise from Jesus and understand what is rest, where do we find it and how do we get it? So that's what we're going to do for the next 30 minutes. The first question, what is rest? In verse 29, Jesus says this. He describes rest as not just any ordinary rest for your bodies. No, no, no. He says it's not just rest for your minds. You get your mind off things. It's not just warming up the chairs and fighting rest by sitting down. He says, no, no, no. Rest is a rest for your souls. And the word soul in the Greek Bible in the original text, is actually the word suke. Suke is actually the, the biblical word for a living being. And many times when we talk about souls, we say, don't sell your soul to the devil, right? Uh, what good is it if a man gains the whole world but loses his soul? We think of the soul as this, ooh, things that float outside the body. So maybe if you think that way, then when you say rest for your souls, you're thinking in the future, God is going to give me some kind of rest. But no, the Bible's meaning for the word soul is living being. You see, God created us as souls. We have a body, we have our emotions, we have the mental capacity, we have our relationships with people, and we have the spirit. God created us as souls, not people who have a soul, but people who are souls. So it's the totality of who you are. So when Jesus says, you will have rest for your souls, he's saying, you will have rest for every part of who you are, your body, your emotions, your mind, your relationships, and your spirit. And that's important for us to understand. So we don't settle for less, but we settle for God's best when it comes to rest. So sometimes when we feel overworked in our body, when we feel overwhelmed in our emotions, when we feel overtaxed in our minds and maybe overstrained in our relationships or even overpowered in our spirit, we have what we call an overloaded soul. Jesus describes an overloaded soul as this, someone who is weary and burdened. In other words, he's exhausted, he's tired, and he's carrying something extremely heavy. That's what Jesus describes, how this Jesus describes an overloaded soul. And maybe some of us feel that way right now. Maybe that is a topic and a feeling that is way too close to where we are right now. We might feel exhausted or we might feel overwhelmed by our present circumstances. The lockdown, the pandemic has got you really bad. It's come like a, like a fast-moving heavy train that hits you in a, in a time and a place where you're unexpected. You might have been stuck at home and it's, it's been making you feel all kinds of uh, 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 loneliness and also thoughts about yourselves that are not true, thoughts about other people that are not true, and it's been just weighing down on you. Or maybe you, you find yourself in a place today where you're not sure about what your future is going to look like. Maybe your, your, your job security is on the line. Maybe you've been stood down. Maybe you are, you've been unemployed and you've been trying to send those resumes and applications out there, but you haven't heard anything back. And that's been stressful and that's been anxious for you. And that's, that feels overwhelming for your soul. Or maybe you're not too certain about what your finances are going to look like in the future. You look at your, your bank statements and you realize it's just drawing down, drawing down, drawing down. And the income coming in is not enough. Your business has hit bad. You don't have a proper source of income. Your investments have come down a lot in terms of its net worth. And that's been overbearing and overwhelming on your souls. 
Maybe you are feeling weary and burdened just as Jesus describes the people who have an overburdened soul today. And maybe just like me, on the day of my son's birth, it seems like nothing is going on on the outside. The room had nobody. It was just peace and quiet. But deep down inside, man, there's all kinds of chaos. Deep down inside, there's all kinds of stuff churning and, and you feel distress and unrest. Or maybe for the others of us, you're on the other end of the spectrum. You, you are already starting to leak in your emotions. You're already just starting to leak in your burdens, in your, your soul. Your burdened soul is displaying signs of distress. Maybe you've been snapping at people a little bit quicker than usual. Maybe your temper has been shorter than usual. Maybe you have had this sense of frustration much more than usual. Maybe you feel restless and not restful in this time. Maybe you have been sleepless, or maybe some of us might even be, be having panic attacks in the middle of the night, or when something, something happens to you and you feel like, man, this is out of control. Wherever you are in life, Jesus understands that we do have overloaded souls. And the science of that is exhaustion. The science of that is heaviness, feeling overwhelmed. But you know what, friends, family, it's actually okay to not be okay. It's okay to feel that way. You don't have to feel guilty about how you feel because what you feel is what you feel. But what's more important is the question of how do we go from here? Where do we go from here knowing that we are heavy, knowing that we have been tired, knowing that we need rest? And that's the second question that we're going to ask today. Where do we find rest? Where do we find rest? Some of us, when we're exhausted, what do we turn to? You might be planning for your vacation already because vacation is kind of your go-to whenever you're tired, whenever you want to go for a break. I, I plan my next uh, holiday. It's going to be in Japan, uh, maybe at the end of the year where, where it's going to be snowing in Hokkaido and that's my getaway. And then I do that every year. And when I come back after the Christmas season, man, I'm all ready to get back to the hard work of daily life. Maybe that's your go-to. Or maybe some of us, we turn to games, right? I know some of you have been playing Animal Crossing a lot with your, with your mates. Or even if you play Call of Duty, maybe that's your, like, your go-to. You go into your man cave after a long day of dealing with your girlfriend or dealing with your, your nagging wife or dealing with the kids, and that's your go-to. You get into your room, you game for a little bit, and then you come out. Or maybe some of us, we turn to social media. At the, at the end of the day, after dealing with the kids, man, you're just exhausted. I, I put them to bed and I'm done. I'm going to spend the next two hours looking at my phone, so, surfing on the Facebook, Instagrams, TikToks, whatever that you've got. And that's your go-to. And maybe some of us, we've had a long day of work. We're exhausted. We've, we've done a project. We've completed it. Man, the credit wasn't given to us. It was given to somebody else. My boss is unreasonable. He's been really hard, overbearing on me. And what's my go-to? At the end of the day, I hit the pups. I go get some drinks, I crack some bottles, and I drink some whiskey, and that's my go-to. Maybe some of us, <laughs> others of us, <laughs> this is me too, but others of us, while, it, while we're stuck in this lockdown situation, you have been saving up money from the petrol that you don't have to buy. So you, what do you do with the money? You go online and you shop. I've been shopping for tons of books, so, that, so that's kind of like my go-to. Some of us do online shopping, and that's your go-to. What is your go-to when you're exhausted? What do you turn to for rest when you're tired? Somehow we know deep down inside that no matter how much or how often we go to this go-to, we're always going to have to come back to the reality. You go for your vacation, you have a, a great break over Christmas, your colleague comes back to you, sits next to you and says, how was your break? What do you say? Most of us would say, oh, that was pretty good, but I feel like I, I need a break from my break now. 
I've had a wonderful time of festivities. Now I need a rest. I call it restivities. It's resting from the festivities. You might have all these things that you go to, but when you come back to reality, it hits you hard like a train. And man, I got to get back to the grind of daily life. Where do you find rest today? Is that sufficient for you? That the Bible says that there is only one antidote to an overloaded soul. There's only one remedy to the overloaded soul. And it's not found in a program. It's not found in a plan. It's not found in a pill that you take. It's not found in processes. It's not found in practices. It's not found in your favorite pastimes. It's found in the person and the person's name is Jesus. Now, if you believe it, say amen. Come on, somebody say the name of Jesus right now. Because that's the only thing, the only person who can give you real rest. Jesus says this in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have troubles. We know that now, don't we? Too well, maybe. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. This is Jesus. And he says this again in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Not, none of those things. Your vacations, your games, your social media, your drinks, your shopping. None of those things. I don't give rest or peace to you as the world gives, he says. So don't let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. There's only one antidote and remedy to an overloaded soul, and that is Jesus. And that's why in the text, in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus says this in verse 28. He says, I will give you rest. Are you weary and burdened today? Jesus says, I will give you rest. It's found in Him and Him alone. So now that we know what is rest, now that we know where to find it, where to find real rest for your souls, there still leaves one question. How do I find it? You see, it's not good enough to know that Jesus is the source of the rest for our souls. It's not good enough to, to know because what is important is that we do what he says in order to find the rest that he gives. And that's really important. So the question of how then do I find rest in Jesus is the next big question that we'll turn to. And what's amazing about this promise in Matthew 11 is that Jesus actually packs it all up and he gives us three action verbs, three verbs that we can rest on, that we can act on, that we are invited to do in order to find the full and complete rest for our souls that Jesus promised. And let's turn to that. The first one, I can find rest by coming to Jesus I can find rest by coming to Jesus. Jesus makes this amazing invitation. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. He doesn't say, here's what you're going to do if you need rest for your souls. All right? He, he, he doesn't say, three steps for an overloaded soul. Uh, or he doesn't say, five strategies to relax your souls. He doesn't give us any of those things, unlike what a lot of people give us on the internet. He says this, no, 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 come to me. See, Jesus offers himself. He simply offers himself as a solution, as the solution to our overloaded souls. So what Jesus is saying, I am rest for your souls. I am peace when you are stressed. I am the answer for your doubts and I am your strength when you are weak. 
How is that so? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, it's not on the screen, but I'll quickly tell you what it is about right now. 16, verse 16 says this, For in Jesus all things were created. All things. That means you and that means me too. All things were created in Jesus. And it ends off that, that verse 17 by saying, And in Him all things hold together. In Him, the stars, the moons, the skies, the universe, everything, even you and even me, all things are held together in Jesus. If you feel like the world is falling apart, if you feel like your life is falling apart, there's only one person who can keep it all together, and His name is Jesus. In Him, all things hold together. And that's why he offers himself because he's the real deal. He's not a counterfeit. If he's the real deal, everything else is just a counterfeit trying to look like the real deal. There is a principle that goes along these lines. The, the best way to stop a man who's looking for treasure is not to bury the treasure deeper because it's just a matter of time before he finds it. But the best way to stop a man from looking for, uh, who's looking for treasure is to give him an alternative, something less expensive, less valuable, and make him believe that he has found the treasure that he's been looking for. Some of us know this principle really well. I'll, I'll explain. What happens when you have a three-year-old who sees one of those big boys playing with a walkie-talkie and he says, Daddy, I want that. Can you buy me a walkie-talkie? How many of us have done this? You, you, you took a random plastic bottle and you give it to your son and you say, son, uh, there you go. Here's your walkie-talkie. And he looks at it like, really? Is this a walkie? Is it, uh, what? And they said, just try it. Just try it. Put it to your ears and I'm going to talk to you from my walkie-talkie, which is another bottle. And, and, and he goes, daddy, daddy. And you go like, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Dad, uh, daddy's here. What are you saying? And within two minutes, you got the kid completely convinced that he's holding on to a real walkie-talkie. And man, he's having the time of his life talking to a bottle. You know, the devil knows this too. He knows that if he can get you to believe that something fake is real, you're going to stick with that for the rest of your life, life as the solution to your problems. But Jesus is saying an alternative solution exists. And this is me. This is Jesus. When you settle for less, you can't get God's rest. That's the reality. So knowing that he's the real deal, Jesus, how do we come to him? How do we accept his invitation? How do we come to Jesus? Psalm 145 verse 18 says this, The Lord is near to all who call on him. That means that when you call on him, he will be near. You call on him by, you come to him by calling on him. So when you are distressed, when, you ha when you're in a moment where you're having a panic attack, when you're overwhelmed in your minds, where you're, where you're feeling stressed and you, and you don't know what to do about it, the best prayer to make, when, to call out to Jesus, is not to come up with something fancy. It's not one of those 10 adjectives. Lord Jesus, I know that you are unfailing, you're invincible, you're invulnerable, you're loving, you're never ending. Lord Jesus, I know that you're good, you love me. And then you finally, amen. It's none of those prayers. The best prayers that you can make to call on Jesus is simply this. Jesus, help. Jesus, help. 
And in that moment, when you call on the Lord, when you come to him as simply as that, he will answer you. He will come near to you. And maybe some of us need to make that prayer today. Jesus, help, for I don't know what to do. Jesus, help, for I have in me an overburdened, overloaded soul. It's been heavy on me. I need to come to you. I need to rest. And the first thing that we can do to find rest in Jesus is to come to him. And the second one is this. I find rest by trusting in Jesus. When you come to him, you also need to trust in him. Jesus says this. The second thing that he's called us to do is to take my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke is something that you put on an animal or a person in order for them to carry a load much, e- much more easily. So if, if you know Southeast Asian history, it's kind of like the coolies, right? The people who have been working uh, and carrying all the, the heavy stuff. So they would put like a big wooden plank on their backs and then they would hang these really heavy loads and they carry on their shoulder. And that's kind of like a yoke. So in Jesus' time, animals and humans do this in order to carry the burdens, the stuff that they have to carry for their work. So when Jesus is saying, take my yoke, what we have to do is imagine with me, you are already carrying a yoke and this is what's making you weary and burdened. This is what making, what's making you feel like you're an overloaded soul. And this yoke represents many things, but amongst the many things that it represents, it represents our fears, our anxieties, our stress, all the things that have been weighing us down in life, things that we feel like we can't control, things that we feel that we need to be in control of. It's all on your yoke. And when Jesus says, come and take my yoke, what you have to do first is to say, okay, I'm going to put my yoke down and I'm going to pick up the yoke of Jesus. What that means is when Jesus says, take my yoke, he's asking you to do a yoke exchange. So the first thing we need to do in order to get into the yoke exchange is that we have to lay down our lives in surrender. Lay down everything that comes along with that. Your fears, your anxieties, your worries, your stresses, your your dreams, your ambitions, your broken dreams even, your relationships, everything. Lay it down at the feet of Jesus in surrender and say, all right, Jesus, I'm going to take up your yoke. I'm going to trust you and what you say. And you bring it up and you put it on yourself. And Jesus promises this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One of the things that I've learned in life is who you trust determines how you rest. Who you trust determines how you rest. Now I'll give you an example. When you are going for a date, when you're planning a date with your spouse and you got to leave the kids behind at home, would you invite a random stranger, any Tom, Dick and Harry along the streets to come into your house and say, would you babysit my, my kids tonight because I'm going on a date with my wife? What happens if you've, if you've never met this person, you, you can't trust this person, but you re- invite this random stranger 
into your house to babysit your kids. What's going to happen is you're going to be seated at the most beautiful restaurant along the beach. Now, it can be up in the top of the CBD. It can be along the beach side, wherever that works for you. And you, you have this nice fine dining table with beautiful tablecloth. You've got a nice glass of Cabernet Sauvignon. You've got a nice piece of A5 grade Wagyu steak prime rib eye. And if you're looking into the eyes of your beautiful wife and, and all you see is not her. All you see is your home. All you see is your kids. All you see is that babysitter who you can't trust and you're wondering what is going on at home right now. Uh, I don't know if my kids are going to be okay. I don't know if they're going to be abused. I don't know if I'm going to go home to a home that's burned down. You're worrying and you're stressed because you can't trust the person. You try to find a nice restful date with your wife, but all, you, all you're feeling is just stress because you put your trust in somebody whom you can't trust. But what happens if you ask somebody who's been babysitting for you for a long time, somebody whom you can trust, you know is going to do a good job, and you say, can you take care of my kids? You're not even going to think about your kids. I mean, some of you do. I know you love your kids, but you're not even going to have to worry about them. You can enjoy your whole day with your wife. You can rest. And when you go home, you know your kids are going to be there. They're going to be in bed waiting for you. You know your house is going to be okay. The babysitter is going to be smiling at you. Say, yeah, they did a good job. They were kids. They were good kids. Because who you trust determines how you rest. If you put your trust in somebody whom you feel is, un, is not trustable, whom you're worried about, you can never find rest. You know, it's the same with our lives. We stress over our lives and the things that we want to achieve because we intuitively know that we can't trust ourselves. We don't have the power to control the future. We don't have the power to control our bodies and our health. We don't have the ability to control the uncontrollables in life. And that's why we stress. Because we don't determine the future. We don't determine what comes out of us. Because we put our trust in ourselves and maybe the people around us. That's why we stress. That's why we don't rest. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Take my yoke, take my yoke. Put down your yoke and surrender your life, your fears, your anxieties, your dreams and everything that you have. Lay it down and take mine for it's easy and it's light. Why? Because you have a God, you have somebody, you have in Jesus somebody who is for you and not against you. You have in Jesus somebody who loves you with an everlasting love. You have somebody who, who will not give up on you and promises that wherever you go on the face of this planet, I will never leave you or forsake you. You have in Jesus somebody who is who saying, I know you failed in life. I know you sinned. I know you've done all those things, but I still died for you because I love you that much. And that's why my yoke is easy. That's why my burden is light. And he's powerful and he's able to control, as we said, all things in him hold together. So you can't trust in Jesus. I find rest when I trust in Jesus. That's the second thing that Jesus calls us to today. And the third thing, the final thing is this. I find rest by following Jesus. I find rest by following Jesus. The, the third thing that Jesus calls us to is this. Learn from me. Learn from me. The word learn in Greek is actually the word manthano. Manthano, which is the verb form, the action form of the word disciples, mathates. So what Jesus is literally saying here is, be discipled by me. 
Be discipled by me. Learn from me. I will teach you the ways, not of the force, of the Bible. That's what Jesus is saying. I remember when I was back in Singapore uh, as uh, serving my time, not serving my time, but doing my time um, in the Air Force. I had the chance to go to many different countries, and one of the places I went to was in Thailand. So the first time I went to Thailand, I was there for three weeks. Uh, one of the things that we have to do um, is to, I have a, I have a weapon, uh, a missile. If I tell you too much, now I'm going to have to do something to you, but I, I, I'll try to say as less as I can, as little as I can for you to understand. I have a missile that I set up on the ground, and my job is to shoot the planes and the helicopters with that missile. So... What we typically do, and I don't know if I'm leaking state secrets right now, but it doesn't matter. Um, if somebody gets blessed and uplifted, that's fine. I'm in Australia. Uh, and we set this thing up uh, early in the morning before the sun rises, about 5 a.m. or so. And then we wait for the planes to come. And it's like if the plane comes, you could and, and you smash the planes down. I've, I've only shot one thing down in my life with a missile. It's not a plane. It's a, it's, it's a drone in, in South Africa. So really good time. So I remember this time where the first time when we went to Thailand. So we, we, 5 a.m., we, we, we loaded the trucks with all the stuff that the weapon needs to come with. And we went to um, this particular place, looking at the GPS, looking at the map, trying to find a place. Man, we, we didn't know Thailand very well. It was like the outbacks in the rural area. So we thought, okay, this, this is it. We, we're here. Okay, guys, unload. So we set up the shop, set up the missile. Then I was sitting there waiting for the sun to rise. And as the sun was rising, I was looking around me, and I began to realize something looks strange. All around me, this is what I saw, right? <laughs> Things that looked like a, a big sticky date pudding, except it was hardened. It was like about this big. Uh, and it was sunken in in the middle, the most of them. Some of them were broken up. And then I quickly realized I was surrounded by these piles of stuff all over me. And when the sun rose, I realized very quickly these were not or any ordinary things. It was a big pile of cow poop. Yes, kids, I just said that, cow poop in a sermon. And that's what literally happened. It was, I was surrounded by cow poop. I was like, that's one pile, that's one pile, that's one pile, that's one pile, that's one pile. Man, thank God I, I missed something here. I, it, it, there was no cow poop here. This is good for me. And, and I looked around, I realized that we had set up the shop in the middle of a farmer's farm, his crops. And that was not the place that we were supposed to be. But because we needed permission to, to reset up and to go somewhere else, we didn't do that. We stuck with the task because it was near enough, like 100 meters away from where we were supposed to be. And in the middle of the day, while I was waiting for things to happen, in the, at the corner of my eye, I noticed somebody walking across the fields, maybe a, a few dozens of meters away, a few dozens of meters away. And he was crossing the field. And I looked at him. I was like, okay, that looked like the farmer guy because he's got a farmer hat. Um, and he's got two animals. And the, for, for the first time in my life, I was watching animals plow the land. And here's what I noticed. There were two animals. One was bigger and one was smaller. You can clearly see that the bigger one was the more senior, the stronger one. And then the younger one, the smaller one was the younger one, the weaker one. And what they do, what they did was that they have something uh, like a yoke, like a beam that was tied across their backs. And then these two animals were plowing the land. And sometimes the younger one would get, you know, like us younger ones, right? Me too, I'm the younger one. Sometimes we get really excited and then he would move forward and then he will be, he realize, man, this doesn't work because I'm dragging all the weight behind me. And sometimes he will fall back a little bit 
And then he realized, I mean, I'm being dragged by this big thing. And sometimes, for the most of the times, he was trying to walk in step with the bigger one. And I think this is a beautiful picture of what discipleship looks like. That when we walk with Jesus, that is discipleship. Pastor Benny says it this way. He says, discipleship is pilgrimage with Jesus. It's a journey with Jesus. In other words, it's walking in step with Jesus. And that's like the little cattle. That's like the little cow next to the big one. When we run too fast, we hold all the burdens behind us. We're like, oh man, I, I, I can't get on in life. And you're trying to do it all by yourself when you run ahead of Jesus. Or when you fall back and you're not following in steps with Jesus, you know you're being dragged. It's not a good experience. This is not fun. But when you walk in step with Jesus, you're walking, watching his feet, left, right, left, right, left, right. And you begin to get into the rhythm of how Jesus works, of how he walks, of how he talks, of how he works. Then you begin to walk in step with Jesus. And that's where the beauty of discipleship happens. And that's where your yoke gets easy and your burden gets light because Jesus, the almighty, all-powerful one, is carrying the bulk of your burden for you, with you. And all you have to do is just to walk in step with him, next to him, as you learn to be discipled by him, as you learn from him. So I find rest when I learn, when I follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus, rest follows. You hear me? When, when we follow Jesus, rest follows. It comes naturally because you have somebody who's walking with you and he's that powerful. He's that good. He's that loving. He's that giving. And he loves you so much. He wants to carry the, the burden of life with you. So how do we find rest today? We find it in Jesus. And we do that by coming to him, by trusting in him and by following him. I conclude with a story. I started with a baby story, and I'll end with a baby story, just to keep the sermon cute. The first time Jude, my, my, my son, flew on a plane was when we were flying back from LA, Los Angeles, to Singapore. And that flight is really, really long. It's, it's like 19 hours, 12 hours first, and then seven. <clears throat> 19 hours. And that's the last thing you really want to do as a parent. Okay, you don't want to put a baby on a 19-hour flight. It's no fun at all. So what we had to do was to, to put him on a bassinet in front of us and then try to get him to sleep. But my son would not sleep because he's nine months old. And when, whenever we put him on the bassinet, he will go, wah, wah, and the whole cabin will be staring at us. We will be judged from the corner of our eyes. Like, get this baby quiet, sir, because I'm trying to sleep. And then people will be looking at us like, come on, get the little monster under control. You, would you do that for me right now? I'm trying to sleep. And this baby was crying. We were so stressed up. We were so distressed as parents, as first-time parents were flying with like a nine-month-old baby over 19 hours. And then I realized, man, I understand now why he would not sleep because he's in a new environment. He's never been here before. Come on, give him a break. That flashy lights all around the aisle. You got like beeping of lights calling the, the flight attendants. You've got pushing of carts right next to him. I'm sorry, sir. And you wake the baby up. Good job. And you've got like people handing out dishes. You, you, got, you got people talking to one another. You got people who are snoring. 
and they're so loud and they're sleeping right next to you, waking the baby up. You got other babies who are crying and then they wake every single baby uh, like, like a chain effect, da 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 and a whole plane is with crying babies. You got all kinds of stimulus, all kinds of chaos in that cabin. Of course the baby wouldn't sleep, right? Those of you who've been in those shoes, you understand what I mean. But we found this secret. It's not called Benadryl. You don't, you don't put your baby to sleep with alcohol. Um, the secret is this. We found out that when Vanessa, my wife, picks up the baby from the bassinet, crying baby, wouldn't stop. No matter how much you sing, no matter how much you try to cool him to sleep, it doesn't work. When she puts over the nursing cover, when she holds him close to her chest, and when he begins to nurse on his mom and realize that he's in the hands and the arms of his mom, who loves him, who's near him, who makes him feel safe, who makes him feel secure, he sleeps. For as long as he's near his mom, he sleeps. And some of you moms, you understand what I'm talking about. Some of you parents, you know what I'm talking about. And that for me is a beautiful picture of rest, complete rest. He doesn't even understand it. He doesn't even know what's going on. All he knows is I'm in the hands of somebody who loves me. All he knows is I'm in the hands of somebody who's for me and not against me. All he knows is I'm in the hands of somebody who makes me feel safe and secure. All he knows is I'm in the hands of somebody who's able to protect me, who would not drop me, who would not abandon me. And instantaneously, he feels a sense of security and he falls asleep. He goes to complete rest. And this is independent. It doesn't matter if the lights are still flashing, the trolleys are still crashing, people are still snoring. It doesn't matter if all those chaos is still happening. He's still resting like a baby because why? He knows he's in the hands of his mummy. It doesn't depend on circumstances. It depends on the one who is holding him. And I think it's true when it comes to finding rest in Jesus. If you feel overworked by your task, by your job, today, or whether you feel that you are anxious because you've been unemployed or stood down for some time, you don't know if your income is going to come back. You've been sending out resumes and applications with no reply whatsoever, and you're feeling stressed and anxious about it. Or, or maybe in your relationships, you feel like you've strained some relationships. In your marriage, you're not doing great. With your kids, you're not doing great. <clears throat> you're, you're, you're short on them. You're worried about your kid's future. You're worried about your own future, and that strains your relationship with people. Or maybe you're worried about your bodies. In this time, your body has not been coping well. It's not been doing what you would want it to do. And that makes you feel bad. That makes you feel terrible. That makes you feel worried and fearful for your own life. And you've been snapping at the people around you who've been caring for you, who, who love you and been trying to support you. And you're feeling all these kinds of stress and worries and anxieties. Jesus has this beautiful answer today for us that you can find rest in Jesus by coming to him, by trusting in him, and by following him. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. You can still find that rest for your souls in Jesus. I'll read that promise, the beautiful promise that we should always come back to again and again. Jesus promises, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today, would you come to Jesus? Today, would you 
trust in him. Today, would you follow him? And if that's you today, say with me, amen, Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to say amen to your rest. I want to say amen to what you have for me. And I want to pray for all of us who's been overloaded in our souls and needing rest today. I believe Jesus has that rest for us starting from today. So let's come to him. The Lord is near to all who call on him. Let's come to him in prayer. Wherever you are, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And as we pray together, Lord Jesus, we come to you. We know that you are the trustworthy one. We know that we can follow you. And in doing so, we will find true rest for our souls. So we come to you wherever we are, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, wherever they are at in their life. Right now, Lord Jesus, would you just begin to stand next to them and let them know that they're in the hands of the Almighty. Let them know that they are in the rest and in the embrace of the one who loves them, who calls them his own. That he will not forsake us. He will not drop the ball. He will not abandon us. He is for us and not against us. He will give us safety and security. He is powerful and he controls the future. And all the things that we worry about, we lay at your feet, Lord Jesus, today. So that we can find the rest that we need for our souls. And if today you're hearing this message, you've never accepted Jesus in your life. And you're praying for Jesus to accept to come into your life for the first time and you're coming to him for the first time in your life. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I know I need rest. I know I need something greater than myself. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I know you love me. I know you gave your life for me. I recognize that no matter what I do, I will not measure up. I cannot find my rest in myself. All the things, all the things around me. So I come to you and I accept you for who you are. Come and be my Lord. Let me be your child that I might find true rest for my soul in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.